Likutei Sichas, Chelik Tezayin, Volume 16, the fourth Sicha for Parshas Ve'era. This is a Rashi Sicha. It certainly would be worthwhile to review the entire Rashi in order to better appreciate the Sicha. In the course of the Sicha, we're going to encounter several rules in, in Rashi, Shemikra, which certainly by now we're already very well familiar with. For example, number one, Rashi's primary ex- objective is to explain, to translate, that is, Pshutei Shemikra. And only when he's compelled, in other words, when he has no other choice, so to speak, does he introduce also an explanation based on the Medrash. Another rule, for example, when Rashi brings a Medrash, when he does do so, typically, almost all the time, he will bring it after first introducing the pshat, the basic explanation and meaning of the verse, and only then, for whatever reason, might have compelled him in that situation, in that particular instance, that Rashi would then bring the Medrash. Here, we'll find somewhat of a variation to that, and the Rebbe will explain it. That is basically the, I should say, the crux of the Sicha. Now, we're not going to manage to go through every single detail of the Sicha, all the back and forth. I'll try to cover it as best as possible. So in chapter 8, verse 2, Perik Ches, Pasik Beis, it says, Vayet Aaron is Yoda, Aaron stretched out his hand with his staff, and... And the frogs, the frog or the frogs came up and it covered all of the land of Egypt. So Rashi in the Divrei Hamaschel, in the heading, that the Tzvardeya came up. So Rashi says the following, It was indeed one frog. And they, he doesn't specify who, but they would hit it. As they hit it, it sprayed out swarms and swarms of frogs. So Rashi concludes, this is the meaning, this is the explanation according to the Medrash. However, Rashi continues and he says, according to the Pshat, according to the basic meaning, it could be said that Shirutz Hatzvardim, the whole swarms of frogs, the Torah is referring to it in singular form. And he brings proof for it, as we see later, likewise, when it was the maka of kinim, of lice, of course lice are many, it says akinom, which is also again singular form, which over there Rashi says means the rechisha, the actual, the whole crawling, the whole maka, the whole plague, he calls it in a singular form. And then Rashi brings the French word for it, and then he says, likewise, Batal Hatzvardeya, he says, also, and if he brings the French word, where you can refer to it as one whole thing. Now, it's obvious that what compelled Rashi to explain, to explain this, these two words, the Batal Hatzvardeya, is because we know that the Tzvardeya, this Maka, this plague, was thousands, if not millions of, of frogs, which covered the whole entire land of Egypt. So it's obvious that it wasn't just one. But the Torah, when the Torah presents what happened, the Torah says that Vatal Hatzfardeya, in singular form. And therefore Rashi explains that yes, indeed, it was one frog, 
which later, by, by means of hitting it, it became many. That's what compelled Rashi to explain it. Now, the Gemara also discusses it. There's a Gemara in Sanhedrin which brings actually a debate between Rabbi Akiva and Abraza ben Nazariah. Rabbi Akiva says that it was one frog that came up by means of Aaron stretching out his hand. In other words, Aaron initiated this maka by bringing up one frog, and then from its innards, many, many swarms of frogs sprayed out from this frog. That's how Rabbi Akiva says it. So Rabbi Lazar ben Azariah says to him, no, that's not what happened. It was one frog, and this frog summoned by whistling or croaking or whatever it is, it summoned all the other frogs, and thousands and millions of frogs came from all over to join it in the Makkah. Now the question is, we know that Rashi is Pshutei Shomikra, exclusively the simple, basic shot of the puzzle. Now there is a rule that Hashem doesn't make miracles in vain. And therefore it makes sense that also according to Pshutei Shomikra, this holds true. I mean, it's a logical thing. Why would Hashem make a miracle for no reason? And therefore, even when there's a miracle that indeed did occur, we need to always try to understand why. In other words, what, what, what really occurred? And at the same time, as much as possible, to, so to speak, minimize the effect of the miracle in the sense that we try to look for all means or at least some components of the miracle that were indeed according to natural causes. And if so, the question is, why does Rashi, so to speak, jump to the Pshat of the Medrash, which from all these three ways of explaining, Vatal Hatzvardeya, that the Tzvardeya singular form came up, from all three options, this seems to be the most miraculous. This seems to be the, the greatest uh, and the most distant from natural means. Because if you think about it, it's almost like a, like, like a, new, a new creation. That from one frog, by hitting it, so many more frogs should be created. It seems that Rabbi Lazar ben Azariah's shot, the one that he said that it called, it summoned all the other frogs, seems to be the most plausible, at least according to Pshut Mikra, because this is the least, so to speak, miracle. In terms of miracles, the least miracle here. It's very natural. There was one frog, that was the miracle, that he brought up a frog with his staff, and then from it, by it summoning, croaking, and whistling to all its other uh, colleagues all over the world, they all came running. That seems to be more plausible in Pshat. So why does Rashi prefer the Medrash? Now, of course, like we learned in the Rashi, after introducing the Medrash, which we know now asked the first question, now we have a second question. After that, he brings Pshuta. He says, this is the Pshat. In fact, he even makes it so clear and obvious to the, to the young student, to the Ben Chameshanam Lemikra, that he brings it to him in his language at the time, in his native language in Old French. So the question is, why didn't he first bring this pshat, as the normal rule in Rashi would bring, and then later bring the Medrash? In other words, he seems to prefer and jump immediately to the Medrash, and only then does he bring this pshat. And the same question could be asked, and why bring this pshat at all? If the Medrash seems to be the most compelling for whatever reason that we'll find out, then why bring this second way of explaining it? Now a third question. We all learned Parshas Vayishlach a long time ago when Yaakov sent the messengers to Esau and he notified Esau, he says, Vayihi li shoyr He says, and it was to me, and I have 
a shur, which literally means one ox, and a chamer, which means one donkey. But he wasn't referring to one ox and one donkey. Over there, Rashi already explained that it's derecheretz, means it's a proper way of express, of a proper expression that when, you, when you're referring to shivarim, many oxen, that you can say ox. It like includes and bunches them all together. So why over here was it so difficult? What's really the difficulty here? Why can't we just say batal hatzfardeya, that this is like saying the species came up as one entity, the entire species came up. Why, why did Rashi have to resort to uh, and immediately jump to the Medrash? Now, there are Mepharshim that explain this. There are many Mepharshim Rashi, commentaries on Rashi, and they give a very plausible explanation. You see, if you look in the entire narrative, both before, prior to this verse, and after this verse, it always refers to this plague in Loshin Rabim, in plural form. It always refers to them as Tzvardeim. And only here, where it tells us exactly how the maka, how the plague came about, here is where it makes an exception and refers to it in singular form. And therefore, it's understood why Rashi had to jump to the Medrash. It actually makes sense now. Because according to the Medrash, it's very well understood why over here, specifically here, the only time, exclusively here, does the Torah write it in singular form, because this is the beginning of the Makkah, the beginning of the plague, and this is exactly how it happened. That one frog came up by means of Aaron stretching out his hand, his staff, and only afterwards did it, did it, you know, did it produce all the other frogs. Okay, and then we can now basically appreciate also why Rashi prefers this to be the first, even though he deviates from his normal rule, and he over here is bringing the Medrash first. However, the question can still be asked. If that's the case, then why is it when it comes to the second explanation, does Rashi refer to it as Pshutoy, as this being the more plausible explanation according to Pshat? If anything, it would seem that if you, the first one makes more sense according to Pshat, based on what we explained. So the Rebbe explains, and he says, the clarification, the explanation of all of this is as follows. When we look at the previous verse, look at verse number one in this chapter. When Hashem commands Aaron to bring about this plague, what did he say to him? He says to him, stretch out your hand, v'hal esatzvardeim, and bring up the frogs. Not frog, but frogs. So he says, to, he says it to him in plural form. In other words, Aaron was commanded to bring up many, many frogs, to produce many frogs over Egypt. And therefore it's understood that it's Aaron who had to actually do it, and not just bring up one frog. And therefore we can understand and appreciate why the two explanations that we mentioned earlier from the Gemara are not plausible, they don't really fit in over here, at least in Pshutei Shemikra. Because in both of them, according, both according to Rabbi Akiva and according to the, the, the explanation of Rabbi and Azariah, the frog was only one frog. It didn't actually produce from it many other frogs, just it was later a trigger for many other frogs. In other words, one frog came up and then many frogs came later However, according to the way the Medrash explains it, and this is Rashi's preference, and now we understand why, Aaron is the one that brought up the frog, and afterwards, it doesn't say who hit it, but perhaps Aaron was also the one who hit it, afterwards he produced 
many, many frogs. And that's the reason why Rashi prefers, and Rashi was compelled to bring the Medrash first, because the Pasik says, first in the previous one, I'm just repeating, Vahal Tzvardim, and bring up the Tzvardim in plural form, and then the very next Pasik says, Vatal HaTzvardeya, and only one frog came up. And that's what compelled Rashi. However, indeed, this is the way it happened. But the other two Pirushim, we cannot say that the sages in the Gemara were wrong. Obviously, their Pirush also occurred. In other words, the main Pirush that Rashi brings according to Pshut Shemikra is what is relevant to us here in Pshut Shemikra. But the truth is that they also occurred. A, that frogs came out from this frog itself, and later, that, like Rabbi Elizabeth Nadaria says, that it croaked and it whistled to all the other frogs and it attracted so many millions of more frogs that came from elsewhere. And, theref- and, um, and, and therefore, since they also happen, therefore, not to exclude it, Rashi brings the second Pirush. And he says, look, that it could be said in reference to the entire swarming of frogs, meaning this entire species having swarmed, you could also refer to it in singular form, and that perhaps is a reference to these other means of explaining the Pasuk. But since it's not perfect explanation, certainly not, as we explained, it doesn't sit as well with the previous Pasuk, and with the general narrative that always refers to this Makkah in a plural form, therefore Rashi doesn't bring it first, and he prefers the Medrash as the first and main Pirush of this Pasuk, of, of this word, but of this, these words, Vatal Hatzfardeya. Now the Rebbe brings from Yeno Shal Torah. We know that in Rashi there's always the quote, the wine of the Torah. That means the deeper, subliminal, esoteric message that's in Rashi itself. From the fact that he brought these two pirushim and he applies them both as viable ways of explaining it, the Rebbe brings out a very an amazing lesson. First, the Rebbe introduces a famous rule that the, the Gemara says that Hamaschil b'mitzvah, one who initiates, one who begins a mitzvah, you tell him to finish it. In other words, you have you're compelled to do whatever it is you can to make sure to see to it that you complete the mitzvah, that you see it through in its entirety. In fact, there's even places where the Gemara brings some mention of some severe punishment for somebody who doesn't complete, who doesn't see a mitzvah through to the end. And, for example, we find this, practically speaking, when it comes, let's say, for example, to teaching another Yit Torah, then we, who better than looking at the first Torah teacher, at Moshe Rabbeinu, Hashem said to him, when it came to teaching, um, teaching the Torah, He said, Soim tosim lefneim. You should place it before them. And Chazal tell us, what does that mean? You should place it like a shulchan aruch, like a prepared table. Something that's complete, finished, ready to enjoy. Don't give them little bits and pieces where they later have to toil on piecing together or not fully, you know, have a full comprehension of it. Well, when you're teaching Torah to somebody, you have to give them a complete picture from beginning to end. So that's one in one hand. But on the other hand, we find, by Moshe himself, that although he was certain it was clear to him that he will not be able to completely finish a mitzvah. Yet, he, did, he, he, he took the initiative to start a mitzvah, to initiate a mitzvah. For example, and this is the classical one, 
where Moshe Rabbeinu, prior to his passing, it says, Oz Yavdil Moshe Shalisharim. Moshe designated three cities of refuge on this side of the Jordan, and knowing where very well that they will not take effect, in other words, they will not be effective cities of refuge until the Bnei Yisrael enter Eretz Yisrael, and there, after entering Eretz Yisrael and conquering it, oh, there they will designate the other three cities, and now together as a body, as a whole of six cities, now they will have the effect of Ari Miklat. And the question is, why did he bother? And the answer is because he said, mitzvah, if I have an opportunity to do a mitzvah, even part of a mitzvah, how can I just neglect it? How can, I will not let it go, so to speak, and become sour, meaning to leave it for somebody else. And a good example for this, the Rebbe says, on a practical level for us, is let's say you have, you encounter a need for tzedakah. Now you know that whatever you can do in the moment may not fully satisfy the need, may not fully complete the entirety of what's needed for this person, but says the Rebbe, of course, you shouldn't hesitate and you should do whatever you can in the moment or whatever means you have available to you at that, at that, at that time, even though you may not be able to fully finish the mitzvah. In other words, it may be a suffix, it may be doubtful if you can fully implement everything, don't worry, do whatever you can right now to initiate at least, or to do your part in a mitzvah. And this is the difference, says the Rebbe, between the two pirushim and ashi. The first pirush, which is the medrash, Aaron just began the mitzvah. He, took, he brought up the frog. It's still not clear who exactly hit the frog. It could be Aaron. But perhaps it was the Mitzrayim, perhaps it was many people, Jews in frustration, the Mitzrayim maybe did it, or the Jews did it in order to increase the amount of frogs. But the fact is, he wasn't necessarily uh, able and capable to complete the mitzvah in its entirety, and yet he did it. And that's according to the Medrash. But according to the Pshutai, according to the Pshat, that it refers to the entire Maka into the entire plague, meaning the entire swarming of all the frogs. It, it refers to it in the singular form as one species, as one plague. Well, there it comes out that he did indeed do the entirety of the mitzvah, and he was what's it called again? And, and, and there and and he did the entire thing. Meaning, I'm sorry, he he um, he completed it. Forgive me. What is the lesson for us that ever applies it? to being Mekar of other Yidin, to bring other Yidin closer to Torah mitzvahs. Of course, when somebody sets out to be Mekar of a Yid, which is perhaps the most important mitzvah of our times, to bring them closer to Torah mitzvahs, it's not enough for somebody to just have the intention to say, you know what, I'll have them do one mitzvah, two mitzvahs, whatever I can get them to do and that's it. In other words, I'm not even going to try, I'm not even going to attempt to see what I can do to fully bring this Yid closer to Yiddishkeit, to fully bring him uh, over to full observance of Torah and mitzvahs. But the truth is that you have to do whatever possible to fully be Makar of this Yid. However, says the Rebbe, you see from this Rashi, the Rashi that both Pirushim are true, both of them hold true. That on the other hand, if you think that, I don't know if I'm able to bring him totally closer to Yitzhak mitzvahs. I don't know if I'm going to encounter him again. Should I maybe not attempt at all? Should I maybe not try to initiate at least to do one mitzvah with him or teach him one thought of Torah? Here comes the lesson. And in fact, it's the first lesson in Rashi that you need to do whatever you can. 
And perhaps, says the Rebbe, this is where will become fulfilled the famous adage, the Chazal say, Literally means a good thought, Hashem connects it to the action, or considers it like the action. Over here the Rebbe explains it to mean that you do your part, you do your kavana. Your intention, of course, is to fully to bring this Jew fully closer to Torah and mitzvahs. However, you're not sure that you can do it or circumstances may not allow it. You may not have that opportunity and not be, maybe it may not be provided to you. So you do whatever you can right now and then Hashem will certainly take your machshava, your good thought, your good intention, which you would rather like to see the person totally come closer to Torah and mitzvahs and eventually that person will.